this stuff and it's a joy to have you here and all of you in los angeles every one of you we love you you guys have been so warm and, wo- and wonderful welcoming and, and loving i will come back to los angeles i will come back to your city you know just to come again and teach and teach more of god's word amen praise god hallelujah all right let's get in the word tonight what a time what a time of fellowship we started examining the call of god if you were not here the last two sessions i'll advise you to get the materials they will help you putting a lot of things in perspective and also try to get the materials of what i taught in in croydon all right and the pastor fidelia and pastor pastor fallen pastor you guys get the get and see how you can get the materials for those who will need it in this place ephesians chapter 1 verse number 16 and 18 16 to 18. Brother Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he's praying for the church at Ephesus that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We took time to do some work in that verse of scripture and we said, God doesn't give you the spirit after salvation. It is the spirit that gets you saved. So God gives his spirit to sinners. He gives you the spirit while you are yet a sinner. It is that spirit, not the spirit of wisdom, that God will grant you the wisdom and revelation of the spirit. The wisdom and revelation of the spirit. Now, so when God grants you the wisdom which is insight and revelation of the spirit in the knowledge of him. The word revelation is the word apocalypsis. It means the unveiling of the spirit or the spirit unveiling to you the riches of redemption. All that God has made available to you. So he prays that your eyes be open to this truth. Then he says, uh, he says the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This morning we took time to do a little, little work on inheritance. All right. Now, in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1. The writer of Hebrews now begins to speak to this. He says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Now we say the hope of your calling. That word hope is a word expectation or a destination. Or a course that you chart. An expectation, a destination, or a course that you chart. And then Hebrews now begins to talk about a heavenly calling. And that heavenly calling can also be called a supernatural calling. That every child of God has a supernatural calling. Or what we call a heavenly calling. 
So, your calling. The word calling is the word kaleo, K-A-L-E-O in the Greek. And we said it's taken from the word kwara in the Hebrew. Kwara, Q-A-R-A in the Hebrew. I'm saying that because calling is why we have the word ecclesia. Calling, ecclesia. In Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church or I will build my ecclesia. All right. Ecclesia is the word ek, ek, and kaleo, what he calls out. Okay. Or the called out ones, the ecclesia, those that are called out. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 17, Jesus speaking says, if there's a situation, tell it to the church. Tell it to the ecclesia. The word church is the word ecclesia. All right. Those that he calls out or the called out ones. Now, you remember we said that that word calling has three functions, three functions. For example, it means to call out of darkness to call out of darkness. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 9. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out called you out the ecclesia the called out ones who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light so to call out of darkness into light that's a calling you can also call out to to call out to to call out to a man for example if i scream shadrach Shadrach, I'm calling out to him. Then when Shadrach responds, he comes to call out, to call you out. Then I call you Shadrach. All right, the name I called him, Shadrach. So a calling will be the name that you are called. So at the preaching of the gospel, we call you out of darkness. The gospel is a summoning or a call out of darkness. When the gospel is preached, we call out. Now, the fellow we preach to, if he heeds the gospel, he heeds to two things. When we preach, we are calling, we are summoning you out. When you heed the gospel, you are heeding to two things. All right? In responding to the gospel. Now, you are heeding to that gospel that we preached. So, you heed to the fact that we have called you out from where you are. We have called you out from where you are, darkness. And also, we have called you a new name. Two things. Number one, we called you out of where you were. And then number two, we called you a new name. We called you a new name so the call of god carries the three things we are preaching the gospel we are not just telling a story we are calling people out the message of the gospel is god's royal call out out of darkness when we preach we are calling people out of sin out of bondage 
out of captivity out of eternal damnation we are calling people out of hopelessness we are calling people out of misery and out of emptiness we are calling people out of of satan's yokes and shackles the gospel is a call that's why it carries power to free a man from the shackles of sin and from the shackles of bondage the gospel is power. That's why the gospel is the hope of the world. When we preach the gospel, we are not ashamed because we know that what we preach is what people desperately need in the condition of their soul and in the pursuit of their eternity. So we are not ashamed to preach it. We are so confident we preach it everywhere. Wherever human beings are found, we preach it unapologetically because it is the need of their soul and the need of their spirit. We call out again we call out of we call out of you are in the world we call you out of the world by preaching now we call out to you that's the preaching now we call you forgiving we call you forgiving we call you accepted we call you justified we call you sanctified we call you adopted as a son of God. We give you a name in that call. You are called righteous. Righteous. You are called, you know, you are called graced. You are called a saint. Oh yeah. You are called holy. All of those are the names you are called when the gospel is preached and the gospel is received. So, a calling carries three things that are very important. Don't forget, number one is to call out to you. We call out to you by the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel calls out or you are calling someone out. Number two, we call you out of. Number one, we call out to you. Number two, you are called out of. And then number three, we call you a name. We call you a name. So the three things are what we call the calling of God. Now notice in Matthew chapter 28 verse number 19. Matthew chapter 28 verse number 19. Go in therefore and teach all nations. Go and teach all nations. Now I've done a teaching on that. That baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Ghost is not in the original because there's nothing like that anywhere else in the Bible. You won't find this combination anywhere. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So this is not in the original. It was just added by translator's privilege. Alright? So because there's nothing like baptizing them. There's not the name of the Father, name of the Son. There are no such names. We have a name that is above every name. The name of Jesus Christ. That's the only name that is officially recognized in heaven. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name. Not names. A name that is above every name. Alright. So go ye therefore and teach all nations. Next verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo I am with you always. Even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now we have said that the end of the world is the fulfillment of God's plan. Did we say that this morning? The end of the world is the fulfillment of God's plan or when God's home is built. 
when God's home is built. So it means that you are called to be a part of his inheritance. You are called to be a part of God's inheritance. And then we took time to establish that the word inheritance is to be a part of God's word or to be a part of the end of his world. A part of the end of his world. That is inheritance. So inheritance is not the acquisition of material stuff like cars and houses and properties. No, inheritance in the Bible is, is to be a part of what God is doing on the earth. We said that Abraham left his father's house with substance and with sons. He left with property. So the call of God is not a call to inherit property and inherit money and inherit wealth. The call of God is a call to be a part of God's plan, to be a part of God's will, to be a part of God's purpose. And what is God's plan? What is God's will? God is God's purpose. The plan of God and the will of God is that the entire earth shall be filled with the knowledge of his glory as the water covers the sea. So he calls you to be a part of that mission of filling the earth with the knowledge and the fragrance of Jesus' grace. You are called to be a part of advancing the cause of Christ, to be a part of, of causing men to come out of summoning men through the preaching of the gospel out of darkness into light. That is the big eternal thing that God is doing on the earth today. And it's an honor to be called by God to be a part of his project. To be a part of his mission. To be a part of his mandate on the face of the earth. Then we said Abraham did not live with just a pair of shoes. He left with substance. He left with servants. He was called to a land that he could only see by revelation. Abraham was called to a land he could only see by revelation. But you know Abraham never got to that land. Abraham never got to that land. He kept looking for a land whose builder and maker was God. But he never got to that land. I'll soon show you in a few minutes. God kept showing Abraham the land by revelation. Because when Isaac was called, Isaac was also shown the land. The same land that God showed Abraham, God showed Isaac. And Isaac only could see that land also by revelation isaac never got to that land because when isaac was called he was shown the land same thing with jacob the grandson of abraham jacob was also called the same way his father abraham was called so god called abraham god called isaac god called jacob and all of them he kept showing them the land by revelation but they never got to that land for by revelation and they are still waiting for that land they are still waiting for that land. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 40. Pay attention. Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 40. God kept showing them the land and they never got to that land. Verse 40, 40. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 4040. God having provided some better thing for us. That they without us should not be made perfect. Look at verse 39, 39 of that Hebrews chapter 11, talking about all of them by faith, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith all of them. And these, all of them, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. 
They kept seeing the promise of a land. They kept seeing the vision of a land. They kept seeing the revelation of that land. And we said this morning, when there is land, there are people. So land refers to people. They kept seeing a people that God was going to raise that would be filled with his glory. They saw it in a revelation and they were part of it in their time. They advanced it. They preached it. But they never saw it till they died. And they are still waiting to see that vision, that revelation come to pass. Are we teaching good here? Now, let me also show you a few more things in the pretext. Look at that Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. And we're going to read verse 8, 9, and 10. Now, we're going to read verse 10 together like a mass choir. But let me read verse 8 and 9. By faith, Abraham, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. Look at the next verse. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. He sojourned in it by faith. Which means he never really got there. He sojourned in it by faith. As in a strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. Now, let's read verse 10 together. Everybody, very loud, clean and clear. I want the whole world to hear your voices in Los Angeles. One, two, go. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were looking for a city. They came to the land of promise, but it was not the land that they were promised. So they dwelt in there as pilgrims waiting for the manifestation of the promise. Until three of them died, that promise was not yet fulfilled. Teaching good here. Now, there is no such city in the world. There is no such city in the world. Look at verse 11, 12, and 13. Pay attention now. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So the promise was connected to a seed that Sarah was waiting for. I'm teaching good here. Now next verse, verse number 12. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sun which is by the seashore innumerable. Next verse, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. If it's getting clear, can I have a powerful amen? Why? Because what was promised them, why they never saw it was because it was heavenly. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. So it was heavenly, alright? Look at verse 14, 15, and 16. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. 
They were seeking for a country. Next verse. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Next verse now. But now they desire a better country. That is unheavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he had prepared for them a city. He has prepared for them a city. The word city is the word police in the Greek, P-O-L-I-S. It means a place and a people. He has prepared for them a place and a people. So what God showed Abraham is a place and a people. And the people God showed Abraham were innumerable. A people that could not be numbered. An innumerable company of people. That is what God showed Abraham. The piece of the property that God was showing Abraham in the Middle East called Israel cannot be the place. Because he said it will spread to the east, to the west, to the north. It will cover the whole earth. In you shall all families of the earth. Not families of Israel. Families of the earth be blessed. In you. There is a call in you. And through you obeying that call. Shall all families of the earth be blessed. When I come. I will come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel. So the blessing is the preaching of the gospel. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good tidings. In you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, stay with me. So, Abraham was called by God. And Abraham kept looking for where God was calling him. So, question. What did God promise Abraham? Israel or the earth? So, God promised Abraham heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Melchizedek called Abraham possessor of the heaven and the earth. So the inheritance is to be a part of what God is doing. And what is God doing? God is building his home. Which means your inheritance is not material things. Your inheritance also is not for your personal use. Your inheritance is that you are part of what God is doing in the earth. That's your inheritance. To be a part of what God is doing in the earth. Not just to be born again and have a nice time. And just be singing nice songs and just be dancing and having a good time. No, you've been called by God to be a part of God's inheritance. To flood the earth with the fragrance of his grace in every place. There is a mission. There is a mission. There is a mandate for your life. There is a call of God upon you. Your inheritance is that you are a part of what God is doing. We said that when Jesus got to the temple, he said, You have made my father's house my father's house. Look at John chapter 14 verse number 2. Please pay attention. John chapter 14 verse number 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place, a place for you. In my father's house, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. In my father's house, if we had read well, we wouldn't have thought that what Jesus was talking about is that we will all die and go to heaven and stay in one building property somewhere. And sometimes you have preachers who tell you that they're building a mansion for you in heaven. They're building a mansion for you in heaven. And if you, if you do good things, you will have raw materials for that mansion to be built. But that's poor Bible reading. There's no mansion anywhere that is being built. Moreover, if the word mansion was English, he wouldn't have said, in my father's house are many mansions. You don't have mansions in a house. You can have houses in a mansion, but not mansion in a house. So that's not English. That, that's Bible language. So when he says, in my father's house are many mansions. In my father's household or family are many dwelling places. Dwelling places. So what, what have we been called to produce? We have been called to produce dwelling places for the father in the family. Dwelling places for the father in the family. So Abraham was called to an inheritance. And that inheritance is what God is doing on the earth. Now, God inspired men to write the Bible in human language. Human language. Hebrew and Greek were the languages available when scripture was written. So let me ask you very quickly. What comes first? Culture or grammar? Huh? Alright, so it is culture that births grammar. It is culture of a people that gives birth to their grammar. So the use of words will be defined within culture. The use of words will be defined within culture. Which means the moment I adopt your language, I have adopted your culture. The moment I adopt your language, I've adopted your culture. So it means that God will use human culture to teach his word. That God will use human culture to teach his word. What was their thinking then will be the Bible's thinking then. See that? Whatever was their thinking then will be the Bible's thinking then. You will find the concept, for example, a concept of the firstborn. A concept of the firstborn. And sometimes you will hear preachers say you have to redeem the firstborn. Okay, And they will ask you to give money to redeem the firstborn. And the question I ask them most at times is, how much can you use in redeeming a human being? How much money? $100? $148? The type that they collected from Pastor Matthew? $148 from Psalm 148. And then Pastor Matthew now is thinking and he says, why not Psalm 1? One dollar. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law of the Lord does he meditate day and night. Isn't that a good scripture? And he shall be like the rivers of water. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why not someone? 
Because one dollar is too small. It has to be some 148, 148 dollars. That is some, some fraudulent way of taking money from people who are, who are gullibles and who are unlearned, taking advantage of the illiteracy, the spiritual illiteracy of God's people in the name of collecting their, their monies for them to, to inherit the promises of the scriptures. Whatever comes from Jesus is freely given. Whatever you receive from Jesus is free of charge. He doesn't take no money from you. And they tell you, no, it's an exchange. You see, it's an exchange. And they drive in you the societal mentality of exchanging money for something you got in the supermarket. So you can't get stuff from supermarket until you give your money. Or from a shopping mall, you go in there with money and you exchange your money for stuff. And then they use that because you're used to that system in the world. They now just walk on your mind and make you see that you can't get anything from God until you make an exchange. And they do not tell you that an exchange took place when Jesus died. He made the exchange on your behalf. He died your death so you can have his life. He was rejected so you can be accepted. He went to hell so you can go to heaven. He was wounded for your transgression, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace was upon him by his stripes you are here he has done the exchange so freely we have received we freely give whatever comes from jesus is freely given i thought somebody would shout hallelujah we jesus made the exchange on our behalf so they begin to talk about you know redeeming the firstborn so we're going to examine the firstborn in a few minutes but I want you to pay attention to something particularly we began to talk about this morning. In the book of Matthew chapter 19 from verse 3 and I'm going to read to verse 7 and then I'll open up a few things. Matthew chapter 19 from verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Next verse. He answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning genesis made them male and female he didn't make them husband and wife he made them male and female that is the original plan male and female and he blessed them and he said to them be fruitful that's not fruitfulness in marriage that is fruitfulness in the project of god in turning the earth to his household fruitfulness in the preaching of the gospel be fruitful multiply replenish the earth subdue it and have dominion that's the mandate of god for global evangelism for the advancement of his cause and summoning men out of darkness into his marvelous light and he said for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they, tw and they twain shall be one flesh next verse wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh what therefore god had joined together let no man or let not man put asunder next verse they say unto him why did moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away so they took jesus to deuteronomy 24 then Jesus said, no, don't go to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Let's begin from Genesis chapter 1 and 2 so that we can see the original plan. So the original plan was in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Because if you start from Deuteronomy, you will not know what went wrong. Because something went wrong before Deuteronomy. Jesus now said in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 19, verse number 8. 
Matthew 19 verse number 8. He saith unto them, pay attention to this now. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. It's not part of the plan. From the beginning, it was not so. It's not part of the plan. The word there in the Greek is Moses pros sclerocardian. Moses pros, P-R-O-S, sclero, S-K-L-E-R-O, cardian, K-A-R-D-I-A-N. That is Moses looking at the hardness of your hearts. Or Moses in view of the hardness of your hearts. Then he said, Pros sclerocardian entrospian hemon suffered you to put away your wives. That is, Moses only allowed you. Moses accommodated you because even if he didn't accommodate you, you will have still put away your wives because your heart were hard against the plan of God. So all Moses did was to give you a decent way. A decent way and an honorable way of putting her away. Not just trashing her like a piece of cloth. Moses saw that your hearts were hard. That is one of the things which God accommodated. It's not God's plan, but God accommodated. Just like the temple. The temple is one of the things God accommodated. God never asked Moses to build a temple. But Moses, in view of the hardness of your heart, your heart you have hardened and couldn't see what he was saying, organized you to build a temple. And I accommodated that because that was part of explaining to you what the plan was. Are we teaching good? So which means in scripture there are many things that God accommodated. It was not part of the plan. But God accommodated because God cannot force himself on man. God will have to work with what man provides in his grace and in his mercy. He will walk with what man provides in a bid to eventually bring man to a place where man can walk in his will and in his plan. He won't force you into it, but he will walk with you around it and in his mercy keep walking until he brings you into the plan. So God allowed, accommodated because of the hardness of your hearts teaching good here. Now that explains so many things. If you understand this place of scripture, you will understand why many things happen all through the scriptures. Many things were accommodated because God understands the frailty of man and the will of man and God is not going to force your will, but he will walk around you until eventually he woos you into his plan. 
Why? Because he's a loving father. He's not a tyrant. That explains a lot of things. All right? Now, so the temple is one of those things. You know, the temple was not in the original intention. God says, I will be with you. I will be in you. Straight. I will be with you. I will be in you. But since you don't understand, we have to use a temple to explain what God is saying. So the temple was accommodated. He said, build it for them. Moses, go ahead and build it for them. Why? So that they will understand what I'm saying. Now, and we said it was not there in the original plan. What was in the original plan was the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden had no fence. It had no limit. God wanted the Garden of Eden to fill the earth. The Garden of Eden was a parable for God's presence. For God's dwelling. The Garden of Eden was a parable. It was Moses' communication of God's presence filling the earth as the water covers the sea. So when it comes to the hardness of heart, he said, give them a building so that they can see what you are saying. But at the beginning, it wasn't so. Now, what's the beginning again? Genesis or what? The plan or what? The project. Okay, God's building plan, God's project or the beginning or Genesis. So we keep going back to the plan to check whether we are building according to pattern. We keep going back to the plan. Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So when brother Paul now begins to pray that you know the hope of his calling, that is still our focus. The hope of his calling. Now can everybody say with me very loud, there's a call of God on my life. I received that call. I recognize that call. And I walk in that call. Can I have a powerful amen? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1, 2, and 3. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Next verse. And the earth was without form and void. The word to hua bohua. It was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Next verse. And God said, let there be light. And there was the Hebrew, the original Hebrew says, and God said, light be, light was. Light be, light was. Now, this is God's plan. Announced as the Bible opens up. So the scripture opens up with the announcement of God's plan. Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth is not the story of creation. Heaven and earth is the story of the new creation. The new creation which is God's original plan in the beginning. Heaven and earth. Let me use other words that may help you understand. Heaven and earth is a concept of immortality, immortality. Heaven and earth, God in a man. God in a man. Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Immortality, immortality. Divinity in humanity. Heaven and earth. That's the plan. 
God's plan was heaven and earth together. God's plan was immortality and mortality together. God's plan was divinity and humanity together. So in the beginning, heaven and earth. Immortality, immortality. That's God's plan. Heaven and earth or divinity in humanity. The story of the new creation. Heaven and earth. Stay with me. Heaven and earth. God's plan. God's project. Then the light came out of darkness. God said light be light was. Out of darkness. Look at verse 4 of Genesis chapter 1. And God saw the light. God saw the light. That it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. The word good is the word tob in the Hebrew. T-O-W-B, tob, good. Then verse 5. Oh, I love verse 5. And God called the light day. The darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, can you change it to be he named the light or he gave the light a purpose? God named the light day or God gave the light a purpose. He gave the light a purpose. So the first thing he does is he calls light out of darkness. Now remember I told you three things. Do you remember the three things? Three ways to use the call. Number one, he called you out of darkness. Then he separated you from the world. Then he gave you a purpose to live. Out of darkness, separated you from the world, now gave you a purpose to live. So, he called you. He called you. Out of darkness. Then, he separated you from the world. Then, he gave you a purpose to live. He called the light day. The word light there is the Hebrew word quara. Quara. Q-A-R-A. Means to name. Light. He called the light. He named the light. He named the light. Now that ancient Israelite named according to purpose. The ancient Israelites, they named people according to purpose. So in Israel, your name is the announcement of your purpose. They gave you names that define your purpose in ancient Israel. That's the way their culture was. And that's the way ancient Israel operated. The naming of anything is to give that thing a purpose. When you name, you give purpose. So God, who now is using human language, accommodated human culture. So God also begins to name, but in the naming is giving or defining the purpose for who he names or what he names. I'm teaching good tonight. Stay with me. Now, what is God doing? Don't forget the plan. He's building a home. So God now is giving everything a purpose. For you have created all things and for your pleasure they are and we are created. Everything. Don't forget that. Light, you are day. 
Light, you are day. Darkness, you are night. He's giving them purpose. In the beginning. So God is giving everything a purpose. So God's calling is number one, salvation. Number two, separation. Number three, purpose. The call of God is number one, salvation. Number two, separation from darkness to light. Number three, a purpose. He calls you to be a part of his building project. He calls you into his purpose. He calls you into his will. He calls you into his plan. To be a part of his purpose. Teaching good tonight. So you see, that is clear in the garden. Whatever Adam called the animals, that was their purpose. That was their name. So when Adam was calling the animals, he was calling out the purpose for the animals. Because in ancient Israel, name is the definition of purpose. Is it getting clear? Now, so in Genesis 1.26, watch this now. Genesis 1.26, put it up for me, brother. Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth next verse so god created man in his own image in the image of god created he him and this him is male and female created he them next verse and god blessed them and God bless them. And in blessing them, he now defines their purpose. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, pay attention here. So God begins to give the object of purpose to man. Image and likeness. If your note was mine, I will write that in capital letters. Image and likeness. So God calls man into his image. God calls man into his likeness. To be the image and the likeness of God is a call of God. God calls man into his image and God calls man into his likeness. Image and likeness. You will function, God says, in my image and after my likeness. You will function in my image and after my likeness. So what exactly is this? What is his image and what is his likeness? I did say that it is used in the temple where you have an object that represents the unseen God. I said this in Croydon. The image of God is a physical representation of the unseen. That's why in idol worship, 
they have an image that people go to physically and that image represents the unseen. So God made you a physical representation of the unseen. So what God is saying, they can't see me, but they will see you. You represent me. What I will do, you do on my behalf. I cannot preach, but I want the earth to be filled with my glory. So you preach on my behalf as representatives of the unseen God on the earth. You are the image. And you are functioning in his likeness. Glory to God. Yeah. Image and likeness. Stay with me. A representation of the invisible God or a representation of the unseen God which means primarily my fundamental purpose on earth and please everybody listen to this don't miss this your fundamental purpose on earth is to be a representative in the natural of the supernatural world to be a representative or in the natural of the supernatural world that is your primary purpose on earth to be a representative in the natural of the supernatural world you are the representative of god the image of god and you are to function in his likeness glory to god i say glory to god image and likeness the image is the bridge between the natural and the supernatural the bridge between the natural and the supernatural. The image is the bridge between the natural and the supernatural, which means I am called to function in two worlds. I function in two worlds. I function in the supernatural and I function in the natural. So, in the natural, I bring into manifestation the days of heaven on the earth. I function two worlds. I function supernatural in the natural. I bring heaven's reality into the earth. I bring the reality of the, of the unseen God into the natural space. People are sick, I heal them. That's the natural receiving the supernatural. People are lost in sin. I get them saved from darkness to light. People are bound by the shackles of demons and devils. and liberate them by the preaching of the gospel. I cast out demons and I move them from the territory of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm representing the unseen God. And I'm bringing the reality of heaven in the physical earth. I am a representative of the unseen God. I am God's agent of transformation. I walk into places and I transform communities. I transform lives. And I give people a reason to live. By the preaching of the gospel. The power of God unto salvation. 
teaching good tonight. Yeah. The image of God and the likeness of God. Shakala the boss. Tell you this thing is catching me now. So our calling is to be his image and his likeness. That's our calling. The hope of his calling. The truth is Paul only used one verse of the Bible for the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the teacher. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, 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 I want to... I want to... <laughs> There's only a verse. Only a verse in the Bible. Only a verse. One. One verse. Not even verses. One. That talks about apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Just one verse. That is not a doctrine. Because you need two or three witnesses. Just a verse. Not even a full context. Paul actually mentioned it in passing. His focus was the functionality. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the work of ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ, that we henceforth be no more toes. So the, the, the essence for the mention was specifically for the purpose. It's not like you're an evangelist, you, you're a prophet, you, you're an apostle, you, you're a pastor, and you, no, 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 no. You need to repent in that area. <laughs> the apostle is the prophet who is the evangelist, who is the pastor and teacher. Same one person. Is a corporate calling. One spirit, one body, one faith, one God, one baptism, one mission. Just one. It's lack of sound Bible teaching that makes people think, I'm the apostle and you are the pastor. You are the evangelist out there. Don't come in here, stay out there. No! <laughs> it's the same person that functions as the apostle, as the prophet, as the evangelist, as a pastor and teacher, so that he can perfect the body of Christ. You teaching good? <laughs> okay, stay with me. We'll do some work tonight. Are you ready for this? Okay, now, you know the only scripture that is close to that is 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And uh, he wasn't saying similar things. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul just said, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly really prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles. He didn't continue with evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He just explained functionalities. Miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Which means all of these are together in one. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all working of miracles. They are all, does not refer to human beings. Are all the gifts of the spirit apostles? Are all the gifts of the spirit prophets? Are all the gifts of the spirit teachers? He's not saying are all of us prophets. Uh -uh. He's talking about the gifts, not the people. 
I'm coming down because there's a lot of repentance that has to take place. He said, you know, God didn't call me to be an apostle. I'm just a brother in church evangelizing. Who told you that? Who told you that? By what are you evangelizing? Is it not by the supernatural? The supernatural power of God is God's ability for evangelizing, which is in every believer. So, as you are evangelizing, that same ability will make you pastor those you evangelize. You will evangelize and give them to somebody to pastor them. God wants you to pastor them. You feed the flock. You feed the flock. You are the one who preach. You are the one to raise them up. It's your responsibility. You are the one preaching. You are the one pastoring. And you are the apostle to the person you preach to. And you are the prophet to the person you preach to. And you are the teacher too. The same one person. But different functionalities to nourish the person up at work in him supernaturally by the spirit of God. Now, you have not remembered that it is the spirit of God that has all of these functionalities. And that spirit of God is one and he's in you with all the functionalities. So you are the one functioning by the spirit of God. Am I teaching good? Now, So, in order for us to understand that, we have to go back to the, the building plan. Go back where? Because that's where we'll see the real plan. Then we will know where things were distorted. Then we will know where people did certain things and God accommodated. But that was not the plan. Because he eventually will bring back the plan. Glory to God. Go back to Genesis. So, in the beginning, humankind has the same purpose and humankind has the same office. In Genesis, humankind humankind Genesis 1.26 put it up. Genesis 1.26 and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have corporate call corporate function corporate mandate corporate vision let them together have that's the plan not let one man be the apostle let another man be the evangelist Mm-mm. it's a corporate call let them have dominion male and female in Christ one calling, one mission, one spirit, one project to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. Say, no, me, I'm just a brother in the church. God has not called me yet. The other man of God was in a vision and God said, my son, my son, stand on top of the world map. So he stood on top of the world map with a big Bible open in his hand and God said, I am sending you to the world. He saw a vision and God called him. I haven't seen no vision. You don't need a vision to know that somebody is calling you. 
Pastor Shedra, come. Did he see a vision? <laughs> How many of you wait to see visions when you are called before you answer your name? Say, Pastor Shedra. Shock a lot of us. Pastor Shedra. No. <laughs> you may need to go back to pre-nursery school if you have to see a vision before you answer your name. You don't need a vision. And if you have one, there's nothing wrong with it. It means you couldn't have known the call if you didn't see a vision. So God came down to your level to accommodate your ignorance. But those of us that are not ignorant don't need no vision. Visions don't make you superior. See, a man that understands the scriptures and rightly divides it is more authoritative than somebody who saw a vision of Jesus sitting with him for 10 hours. There's more authority in the rightly divided word of truth than visions and dreams. I don't care what vision you saw. If you like, sleep with Jesus for three weeks and come back. I will sit you down and teach you the Bible and help you to see if that vision was even a vision it was, or it was a nightmare. <laughs> Visions are not superior to scripture. Scriptures are superior to visions. Teaching good? We are not led by visions. We are led by the written word because the word is a lamp and a light. And the word never changes. But visions can change. And dreams can change. But the word of God is written because it can never be changed. It's eternally documented. Forever settled. Preaching good tonight. So you see the calling of God is not something that happens after you are saved. It's something that happens before you are saved. So salvation brings it to you. God calls you before you are saved. But salvation brings the call to reality. So the moment you receive the gospel, that is the moment that that call is activated. The call comes alive. The call of God. And it will take a pastor to rob you of that calling. You didn't hear that. It will take a pastor to rob you of that calling. A pastor who is not schooled will steal the calling from you. You tell you are not called, but you can be a sister in Christ. He is called an apostle. It takes a pastor. Because we have a corporate calling. All of us are called to one assignment to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. And we have one spirit in all of us for that mission. And all the resources are the same for that mission. Our maturity levels could differ, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the resources. Our levels of growth could differ, but that doesn't mean we don't have the resources. So that is why we keep equipping you until all of that reality comes into fruition. Teaching good? Say, I'm called by God. Say, there's a call of God on me. I'm committed to filling the earth with the glory of God. I didn't hear powerful amen. So God called Abraham. God called Isaac the same calling. 
Remember this morning I told you, Abraham only restarted the Genesis project. Did I say that? Because God couldn't find a man. The only man that was available to carry out the project was Adam. And Adam rejected God's plan. So God waited until there was an Abraham that could believe. So Abraham kick-started the project of the preaching of the gospel for the families of the earth be blessed. And Isaac took it on. And Jacob took it on. And Joseph took it on. And it went on and on till it has come to you today. Now you have to make up your mind if you want to go the way of Cain or you want to go the way of Abel. Not my Abel, Bible Abel. Because Bible Abel was killed and I don't want to be killed. I want to be here for a long time. I have a mission to carry out. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I, I want to be here for a long, long time. Praise God. Now, so let's get into the firstborn. The firstborn. <clears throat> when you do not understand the language of the Bible, it becomes a problem. So pay attention to this. When God was talking about the firstborn in the book of Genesis, the firstborn will be defined by scripture not by English. Like the blessing of the firstborn. Abraham conferred the blessing of the firstborn on Isaac, not on Ishmael. Even though Ishmael was born before Isaac, but the blessing of the firstborn was given to Isaac. But the critical one is Isaac gave the blessing to Jacob, not Esau. Even though Esau was born before Jacob, but the blessing was given to Jacob, not Esau. It's called the birthright. The birthright. If you don't know the culture, you will not know what the birthright was and what the blessing was. Because people had assumed that the blessing had to do with material wealth. And that's because they lack the understanding of Bible language. It was not material wealth because if it was to be material wealth, then Esau will not be wealthier than Jacob. Esau will be wealthier than Jacob. Because Esau was already set up. Esau was already wealthy. But because the blessing is not wealth, that is why it was Jacob, not Esau. It was Joseph, not Reuben. Joseph, not Reuben. Isaac, not Ishmael. Are we following? Oh, okay. Now, so the firstborn is meant to be. Let me use something that you will understand. So you see how the Bible uses culture to teach. How many of you know kingship by inheritance? Okay, kingship, you are a king by inheritance. A lot of kingdoms operate that module today. So they usually take the first child to be the king. Also, herbalist, voodoo people, they pass on their voodooism, if there's English like that, to their firstborns. They say, get ready. You'll take over from me. So begin to prepare yourself. You'll be the next voodoo, voodoo or the, the, the next native doctor. You'll be... <laughs> you better get ready. Prepare yourself in the native ways. Because you'll soon be the native doctor of this community. They pass it on to the firstborn. 
Is it true? Okay. So that culture precedes the writing of the Bible. That culture of passing on to the firstborn precedes the writing of the Bible. And usually, the guy might even inherit his father's wives. He also inherits his father's enemies. But the core issue is that this guy sits on the throne where his father sat. So the writer of the firstborn, which is a word in the Hebrew, bako, B-A-K-O-E, firstborn, bako. And then there's a word, bakara, bakora, B-A-K-O-R-A, is an office. So the question will be, what was the father called to be? Abraham, the father of Isaac and Jacob. We have seen that Abraham was called to a land. He is called to the land as an inheritance to be part of what God is doing on the earth. Now, based on their culture, firstborns should be firstborn child. So, Ishmael qualifies. Esau qualifies. And Reuben qualifies. But because God's calling is by grace, not works, he changes the narrative. He gave it to Isaac, to Jacob, and to Joseph. It happened to, to Abel, not Cain. He chose Abel, not Cain. That's the Genesis pattern. So I often say Genesis is the story of God's grace. The book of Genesis is the story of God's grace. Where he says my pattern, even though he uses their culture, but he does not endorse their culture. He uses it to explain his concepts, but he doesn't endorse their practices. He doesn't endorse the culture. He only uses it to teach his word. Because if he had endorsed the culture, then it would be Ishmael, it would be Esau, and it would be Reuben. But he does not endorse, but he uses the culture to explain his plan. So, that God uses the culture doesn't mean he endorses. There was nothing to use. That was the only culture available for God. So, the grace of God already teaches us not to exalt culture above God's word. So, the firstborn ought to have been Ishmael, but God said Isaac. It ought to be Esau, God said Jacob. It ought to have been Reuben. God said Joseph. We can go on and on. Even Moses. David. Solomon. Grace. So the concept of firstborn is human culture. But God's message is not human. So what did Abraham pass unto Isaac? He passed unto Isaac the land. That land that God showed him in a promise, he passed it on to Isaac. So Isaac also began to look for the land and preach the land. Then Isaac also passed the land to Jacob. Jacob now passed the land to Joseph. That's why in the land of Egypt, Joseph had a portion of land where Israel dwelt. But that land was not the promise you see. But that land was the communication of God's promise. Are we teaching good? Okay. 
I, I, I want to see clearly that the whole Bible has just a message. And that message culminates in the fact that you are called. <laughs> and you've, you have no excuse. You've got to rise up and answer to that call. Preaching good. I love Bible study. And I know you do too. So now, God called Abraham to be part of an inheritance. Genesis 20 verse 7. Pay attention. Genesis chapter 20 verse number 7. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. That's the first prophet in the Bible. His name is Abraham. God called him a prophet. And he shall pray for thee. <laughs> I want to show you guys something. <laughs> As a fellow, are you ready for this? <laughs> Abraham oh Jesus God is gracious and God is good Abraham just took his wife and gave her to a man to own her And lied. She's my sister. And he told her, you better act discreet. <laughs> These guys are crooks. They are scamming somebody. They have not even had an opportunity to repent. They have not. He has just given his wife to a man so he can collect money from the man as settlement. He has used his wife as an object for trade. To survive. He has lied. He has lied. He has not had the opportunity to say, Lord, I am sorry for the things. He has not had the time. This guy just took the wife into his room. He has not even settled down. God said, you are a dead man. <laughs> you, oh, whoever deceived you, you are a dead man. That woman is the wife of a prophet. Not the wife of a sinner. The wife of a prophet. This guy is, has just committed. And God said, it doesn't matter what he has done. He's a prophet. God doesn't look at your circumstances to define you. God defines you irrespective of your circumstances. That's the way God functions. And nothing changes his mind. What he sees you as is what he continues to see you as irrespective of whatever happens. Because he functions by faith. You better take that woman back. I'm sure God in his sense of humor must have said, it is for the money he did it. Give him gifts. Return the wife and give him gifts. <laughs> Glory to God. How many of you understand what I'm teaching tonight? Some say, but I'm not yet perfect. If God has to wait for you to be perfect to preach the gospel, everybody will go to hell. Start preaching it the way you are. Some say, but, but, but I have a lot of mistakes. It's not your message. It's his message. You have mistakes, but the message doesn't have any mistake. Preach it. Preach the gospel. Preach it. It's his message, not your message. 
All you are required to do is announce it. And God will walk with the announcement and confirm it. Because he must confirm his word. It's not your word, it's his word. You don't wait to be perfect. You will be perfected in the process. Teaching good tonight. For you see, brethren, your calling, not many mighty, not many strong, God has chosen the foolish things of this world. You don't have to wait till everything is okay. You have no excuse. Preaching good tonight. Yeah, you have no excuse. <laughs> He's a prophet. And he shall pray for thee. <laughs> I love God's audacity. He's a prophet. A man, it doesn't matter what circumstances he brought him to your house. He shall pray for thee. <laughs> and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die. Thou and all that are dying. You've stepped into a dangerous territory. Look at how God treasures those whom he has called. Don't touch them. Don't. That's why the call of God is honor. The call of God is blessing. And God protects those whom he calls. So if you want to enjoy God's maximum protection, answer the call and begin to function in the call of God. Oh yes, he does. I mean, look at it. It's so clear. This is the, the first mention of the word prophet. And it begins with a man who was in very ungodly circumstances. The first use of the word prophet was for a man. <laughs> That's the first use of that word, prophet. And it's God himself who says, he's a prophet. That guy is a prophet. He was not calling people's phone numbers and house addresses. He's a prophet. Telephone numbers. No, he wasn't doing that. He was just giving his wife in exchange for money. He's a prophet. <laughs> I love God's sense of humor. It's not of him that will it, neither of him that run it. It is of the Lord that showeth mercy. It's a call by grace, not by effort, not by qualification. He calls you by his grace. Two things that we'll talk about who Abraham is. What does he call Abraham? God calls Abraham my spokesperson. The word prophet means a spokesperson. The word Nabi, N-A-B-I in the Hebrew, prophet. Look at that, look at that Genesis chapter 14 verse 19. What God calls Abraham. Genesis 14, I mean 14 verse 19. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. Next verse, verse 20. And blessed be the most high God, which had delivered thine enemies into thy hands. And then Abraham, in response to the blessing, gave a tithe of all. He gave a tithe, a tenth of all. Because culturally, that is how Abraham and those who lived in his time used to respond to deities when deities showed them an act of favor. So Titan, Abraham got it from the worship of idols and he brought it in and God accommodated. 
That's the origin of tithe. It wasn't God who commanded for tithe to be paid. It was Abraham's initiative in response to the kindness of God, just like he will have done to an idol in idol worship. So he borrowed that practice because he had no other way of showing gratitude than what he knew they used to do in the worship of idols. Don't forget, he was a worshiper of the sun and the moon. And that was how they related with the deities of their time. So since God now has given him victory, he had no other way. Remember, he didn't bless him after he gave the tithe. He blessed him before he gave the tithe. Because the tithe don't bring the blessing. It is because you are blessed that you respond to God which you are giving. I'm teaching good. Yeah. Pastor soon like that. Who cares? The word possessor in verse 19, pos Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth, that word possessor there is someone who takes over territories. Abraham, a man who takes over territories by the preaching of the gospel. Huh. You preach the gospel and you take over territories makes you a possessor. When you move to a city and you begin to preach the gospel, a territory is conquered for God. That makes you a possessor. All our campus coordinators, you are possessors. See that? You move into places and you set up lighthouses and people begin to respond. So you conquer that territory for the glory of God. You are a possessor of heaven and earth. You are answering to the call. See that? You move into places where the gospel, people are looking for the gospel where it's not available. The truth of the gospel is not preached. And you set up a lighthouse. And you begin with two, three, four, five, six, seven. Before you know it, you have ten people that are feeding from God's word. And they are shining the light. And the gospel is growing. And before you know it, a whole community is taking over. Before you know it, a whole city. Before you know it, a whole nation. The, the vision, the Genesis project is finding expression through you. God's purpose is being fulfilled in the earth. Oh yes, you are part, a big part of God's project. You own an inheritance in God, so you are a possessor of heaven and earth. How many of you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah, that's who you are. Possessor of heaven and earth. That's who you are. You move into places where nobody has had the gospel and you set up a place and begin to preach. Before you know it, one person is saved. You have conquered a territory. Another person is saved. Another territory. Another person is saved. Another territory. Another person is saved. Another territory. You set them up. You begin to disciple them. Before you know it, out of one, a generation of men are born. Out of another, a multiplicity of men are born. So when I see one person responding to the gospel, I see a generation. When I see another person, I see another generation. Because the gospel brings men in their generations in. So before you know it, through you, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Before you know it, it will have ripple effect all over the place. Many will come because of you. Many will see because of you. And because of them, many more will see because of them. Many much more will see because of them, them. So one little ray of light began to grow. 
Before you know it, it's not just in America. Somebody leaves America for Canada, he takes the light. Somebody leaves America for Australia, he takes the light. Somebody leaves America for New Zealand, he takes the light. What's happening? What's happening? God's project to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory is taking place because somebody dares to obey God. Obeying God makes you answer to the call and makes you part of the big picture of filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Today I'm in California. I wouldn't have come to, to California if Pastor Fidelia and her husband didn't obey to set up the lighthouse and if you guys didn't obey to come around and be part of it. Look at what we're doing here now. In another two years, in another five years, imagine what will be happening all over the society and in another ten years, imagine the ripple effect all over the nations. Ladies and gentlemen, man this mission is unstoppable we will fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the lord as the water covers the sea somebody shout i hear you yeah this mission is unstoppable this mission is unstoppable and i'm so excited that i'm part of what god is doing you know what god has done what took his life what took his life what he died for what he rose from the dead for. He put it together. And uh, trusted you with it. That's how much God honors you. He's not afraid that you will mess up. Mm -mm. Because he has made up his mind. That even though you are the one he will use. He will be the one to keep you. So it's not going to be by your strength. It's going to be by his strength. So when you feel weak, don't think of weakness. Think of his strength. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. So I preach the gospel in and out of season. Teaching good tonight. I'm a part of what God is doing on the earth. And I'm proud to be part of it. I was in South London, Croydon, last week with Pastor Fowler and the whole of the God's family in that place. It, it's possible because he obeyed God. I'm going to go to, to Dallas because these men have obeyed God to set up a lighthouse and people will come and be fed. And through those people, more people will be fed who will feed more people, who will feed more people. You know, we don't need 10,000 people in a hall. It can happen, but that's not the focus. The focus is you, 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 understanding who you are and rising up to the challenge to lighten the corner where you are. One person at a time. One person at a time. We're not in a hurry. But before you know it, it's all over the place. Glory to God. Are you not excited in this place tonight? Glory to God. Say with me, I'm a part of the big picture of filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water covers the sea. Glory to God. Oh, I tell you, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. But sister right at the back told me last night, she said, I flew and came to this conference. And the things I learned from you, I've been teaching it to the deaf. I teach them. You can see she's busy ministering to them. She's busy ministering to them. So she's a lighthouse. Through her, the light is shining to that community of men. She is God's lighthouse. She is God's, she is part of God's project on the earth. 
You've got to do something that you can be counted for. And what else can you be counted for other than being the man that brought the light of the gospel that got the eternity of men secured in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. These are the things I think about and I can hardly sleep. I'm excited all night. I'm excited all morning that God has found me worthy to use to be part of his project on the earth. Hallelujah. What an honor. What an honor. What an honor that God has taken his honor and put on a man. And he says to that man, Lo, I am with you always. Till the end of the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Abel. I'm part of that lineage. And you can put your name there. We're part of that lineage. If tomorrow another Bible will be written when we are not here, our names will be in the line. Glory to God. Yeah, we are part of the big picture. And if you're excited about it, shout glory. See that, let me push it a little more. Possessor there is someone who takes over territories. It means, the word possessor means to acquire by a voice. Possessor means to acquire by a voice. So Abraham is a preacher. Abraham is a prophet. Abraham is a preacher. He acquires by a voice. He's a preacher. He's a prophet. Look at Genesis chapter 17 verse number 5. Genesis 17 verse number 5. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abraham, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Why are you calling me spiritual father. Why are you calling me papa? I'm a father of nations. Why? Because through me, nations are coming to the knowledge of the truth. So you too can be a father Abraham today by answering the call to ministry. Who is a father? A father is the word pata. Pata means a nourisher, a sustainer, a provider. You are a spiritual sustainer and a spiritual provider. So you become a father of nations. A father of many nations. That is because of Abraham, nations are coming to the gospel. Because Abraham believed and obeyed. I've made thee a father of many nations. I've made thee a father of many nations. The word father is not just a title. It's a responsibility. Some people get angry that people call me father. I didn't solicit for it. It's just function. <laughs> father is function. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a coronary degree. It's functionality. That's what I'm doing. I am fathering people with the gospel of Christ. You too can be a father. When you get somebody born again and you disciple him, you become a father of that person. You get somebody else born again, you disciple him, you become the father of that person. You get somebody else born again, so you too will have children in the kingdom. And that's how God wants the family to be. 
That's what brother Paul will say. Are you not my joy and my rejoicing? So the souls you bring to the kingdom becomes your crown. They become your joy. They become your rejoicing. They become your fulfillment. When you turn around and you see your spiritual children, all of them doing well and growing, and all of them bringing more people to the kingdom, and you can see your lineage in the kingdom, see your children's 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 children, and nothing gives you that fulfillment other than that. Not that you're just the only one in the kingdom. A lone ranger. You turn around, you're the only one. And when people are sitting with their families, people that they have brought to the kingdom and having a family conference within the family, you're alone moving around like a supervisor because you have nobody to discuss with. That's why he that winneth souls is wise. I'm teaching good. It's an honor. I go all over the world and I just come across people and sometimes I even get embarrassed because I, I don't like it but people just call me out. Hey! Dr. Damina, I, I listen to you all the time. We were walking in London with uh, Pastor, Pastor Matt. We just came out of the hotel and we just wanted to take a walk on the street. Okay? And then as soon as we walked out, one guy, he was moving in the cold. It was very cold. He just looked at me. He ran. Dr. Damina, I'm a medical doctor. I listen to you morning, afternoon, evening. Even when I'm seeing patients, I'm listening to you. You've blessed my life on the road. I said, be blessed, brother. Be. You see, you don't understand. <laughs> I want this guy to get out. Let me go. This guy is not, he's not, he's not getting out. He, he's stopping me on the road. I come across them like that in the aircraft. I come across them like that in the airports. I come across... What, what more? What more joy do you want in life than to come across people you may never meet in your life whose lives have been affected by what you preach? Their eternities are secured because you obeyed to give voice to the gospel of Christ. And the true gospel. Not just the gospel. The true gospel. Nothing is more fulfilling. Not even 10 houses you bought in a day can give you the kind of joy that souls will give to you. So ladies and gentlemen, that's the call of God. And it's on your life. And you have no excuse not to answer it. Because what you're hearing from me will judge you. It will judge you. You can't tell Jesus I didn't know. You knew and you wrote notes. <laughs> I just came to set you guys up and you're set up already. Glory! We preach this gospel from the mountain to the valley. We preach this gospel from nation to nation. We preach this gospel from community to community. From man to man, woman to woman. We are not stopping at anything until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Somebody shout, use me Lord. I'm available to you. Glory to God. Now, so let me wrap up here and then we continue tomorrow. Are you blessed tonight? So, in the natural, Jacob will be a servant. Look at Genesis chapter 17 verse 6 now. <clears throat> Woo! 
And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. First of all, you are a father of many nations. I have made, oh, I love, I love this. I have made thee a father of many nations. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful. Is that a Genesis mandate? Be fruitful. Now I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee. And kings shall come out of thee. Kings shall come out of thee. So when you see one man out of one man, nations and kings. One man. That's why one believer that is equipped can shake the whole world. One believer that is equipped, you are seeing a weapon, a very dangerous weapon in the hand of the Lord where the kingdom of darkness is concerned. That's why the equipping, what we're doing here, is critical in the plan, in the scheme of God's plan in these last days. Equipping men, because one equipped believer can turn an entire nation around. I have made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Who shall come out of him? Kings. Look at verse 16. Genesis 17, 16. Oh, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So this mandate is on the husband and the wife. It's not just the husband. You see, I am called by God. You are the wife of the called man. Nothing like that. But the man and the woman are called of God. Is a corporate calling. The wife, the husband, the children are all called by God. All of the whole family is called by God. The responsibility of the father and mother is to help the children understand the calling and answer the calling. If you've done that, you've succeeded as a parent. It's beyond giving them an education. Because education is not purpose. Purpose is functioning in the will of God. I and my household shall be saved. Why? Because that is how ministry ought to be. Whole families. Because God is a family man. So, if your spouse is not yet saved, you just stay in faith and keep praying. And in a short while, they will come in. They will come in because you are in. You are the first fruit of them. So, since you have come in, they have no option. They will come in. If your children are being funny, just smile and just keep speaking the word. I and my family will serve God's purpose in the name of Jesus. Satan, I break your power over my family. I and my household will serve God's purpose. You keep speaking and you believe it. In a short while, you see everybody in your family preaching this gospel. Glory to God. Glory to God. He said even Sarah, out of her shall come nations, kings of people, shall be of her. So question, is Abraham a king? Huh? If kings are going to come out of him, what is he? A king. Is Abraham a prophet? Is he a king? Is he a priest? So Abraham is a king, a prophet, and a priest. So the call of God for you makes you a king, a prophet, and a priest. How about a king, a prophet, and a priest? We'll explore all of that tomorrow. 
So the question now will be, what will be the birthright of Isaac? Isaac will be a king, a priest, and a prophet. That will be his birthright. The same as Jacob and the same as Joseph. So what will be the first sign of what was the ordination of Isaac and Jacob? The first sign is revelation. To know that God has called them in the same calling as their father or grandfather is revelation. The same thing he showed the parents. He's now showing to Isaac. He's now showing to Jacob. The land by revelation. The land. Isaac began to see visions and hear from God. Same as Joseph. Do you know that when Joseph gave his father food, he hasn't heard from God. I mean, Jacob. Before he ran, he hadn't heard from God. It's the mother that heard from God that was helping him. But as he began to run, he heard from God. You take a step first. Then it gets clearer as you continue. You don't wait to understand everything. You begin to walk with the one you have understood. <laughs> you begin from the known to the unknown. Praise God. I said, praise God. Say, boy, your father is about to give your brother what made him who he is. Go get it. Because I was told that your elder will serve you. Go get it. What was the mother doing? She was training him in understanding the plan of God. Just like we're doing in this conference. We're equipping you to understand the plan and the purpose of God. You know, many times when God calls you, that calling is not your desire. No. The call of God is a rude interruption in the course of your life. While you are busy having the best time of your life, God goes like this. Come, there's something else. It's a rude interruption. That's why when God is calling, you're not excited because that was not what you were thinking. That's how to know you're called. You're not even looking for it. You're not even thinking about it. Some of you campus coordinators, you never dreamed you'd be a campus coordinator. You just wanted to be a Christian and just enjoy Bible study in church. Isn't it true? And then you started coming, you started coming, and then you started coming. Then you realized, mm -mm, I can't just be coming like that. Let me begin to do something. And now look at what you're doing for the glory of God. It's a rude interruption. Yes, because you're not thinking of it. Abraham, get thee out of your father's house. To where? I will show you. Get out. Get out. So he takes everything to go to where he doesn't know. The journey is from the known to the unknown. You don't know where you're going, but you go by faith. Are we teaching here? Yes, that's the way the call of God comes. You suddenly begin to wake up to the realities of what Christ has done. And now you want to be a witness of the same. I'm excited. Hallelujah. I'm excited. An army is rising all over the face of the earth. That will preach the truth of the gospel without compromise. A people who genuinely love God. And are committed to the fidelity of the scriptures. A people that will not abuse the scriptures. That will not do violence to the scriptures. But will in all honor teach and preach the sacred truth of the gospel of Christ. That army is rising. Amen. All over the face of the earth. They are rising everywhere. 
I'm telling you, I, I, I was telling who was at, I, I said this in, back home in Uyo. When we went to Cameroon, Bamenda was the place. I didn't know that anybody would know me that much in Bamenda because we drove like eight hours, man. Eight hours to get to Bamenda. When we were driving, I was wondering, why did I agree to go to this program? <laughs> Who did this to me? I mean, the road was bad. I was like this throughout the journey. That's how bad the road was. I kid you not. This house was trembling because the road was bad. You can imagine dancing like this for eight hours. Sometimes it goes, boom. Then it continues again. Boom, boom, boom. It continues to go to this mission. My head was pounding because I was getting tired. And I turned to Pastor Matthew who was sitting with me in the car said, why didn't they tell us the truth? <laughs> because they told us three hours. So we are mentally prepared for three hours of suffering. <laughs> three hours of suffering. <laughs> Then it became five hours. Now I was out of patience. Why didn't they tell us? Pastor Martin, why didn't they? Why didn't they tell us the truth? Uh, Pastor Martin, say, I'm sorry, Baba. I don't know. By the time we finally got to come my whole body was stressed out. I was tired. Then the brethren came out. They came out, men and women. They came out with flowers and everything. And they were singing and dancing and coming. I'm trying to get angry. <laughs> I'm trying to get angry that you guys deceived me and punished me on this journey. And now you guys are smiling and coming to dance. But the joy was irresistible. They came and held me and I was like, hey guys, I'm tired. And they're like, no, you don't know what you've done to us. We didn't think you will come to this place because preachers don't come here. No flight comes here. You have to come by road and the road is not good. And you came. I said, yes, I came. Who oh, they were rejoicing. Their joy became so contagious that I forgot the stress. And I got ready immediately because I said the service was beginning another two, three hours. So I dressed up, got myself ready. When we got to the conference and I saw the people, their joy, the excitement, the expectation, I forgot the journey. I preached like I have not traveled. That whole place was on fire. After the service, a lot of magistrates and judges of their legal system and lawyers came in their number, lined up. And they were introducing themselves. I'm a judge, I'm a magistrate, I'm a lawyer, I'm this, I'm that in this country. We follow your teachings. You've changed our lives. I went like, wow. These are the educated people in this nation. And they are all following the teachings of this world. Well, I have known that people like these are following what we teach in that part of the world. The joy of ministry. Yeah, that's the joy of ministry. Now I got preaching after the first day, the second day. I didn't know when I got so happy because I could see their joy. And I didn't know when I said, I'll be back to Cameroon three times next year. <laughs> After I said three times next year, then I remembered the road. I went like, huh? But I went. (laughs) 
on this road, yes. <laughs> God will help us. <laughs> But that's the joy of ministry. You don't really know joy till you begin to see what impact your obedience to God is creating in the lives of men all over the world. The grace of God is greater than the price. Whatever price you're going to pay is not to be compared to God's grace. God gives you more grace than the price will need. That's why Paul said, I besought the Lord three times because a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me because of the thorn in my flesh. And he said, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I have more grace in your life than all of these problems. So get up. I'm not going to deliver you from it. You have what it takes to survive it. My grace is sufficient. Whatever ministry will bring to you, there is more than enough grace to weather the storms and to overcome. And there is more joy in the impact your life will have on the lives of other people. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Stand on your feet. That's all I've got for you tonight. Glory to God. 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 Glory! Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor, say to your neighbor, we will preach this gospel. Without apology, we preach it from the ends of the world to the ends of the world. We preach this gospel. We lighten our society. Yeah, we bring a generational impact on our society. We get people saved one soul at a time, one soul at a time, until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Hallelujah. I was in Togo and I'll be back to Togo shortly to visit our campus. And a lot of young men came to my hotel room after the first night. It was a powerful service. And they came and they said, Dr. Damina, I didn't know how to speak English. I speak French. I'm French. I learned to speak English from your teaching. Now I preach in English. The other one said the same. The other one said the same. I said, all of you, didn't know how to speak English? They said, yes. So you learned English from my teaching? They said, yes. We started following and following. And we started learning English. Now we preach in English. Young, young guys. I'm like, my goodness. Do you know how long these guys have to preach the gospel? And they are being prepared at this young age all over Togo? I, I, I was so blessed to see that. That's a joy. The fruit of ministry. Amen. The man that your ministry raises is the fruit of your ministry. Man. That's the fruit of ministry. That through you more men are raised. Who will raise more men? Who will raise more men? Who will raise more men? That's the fruit of ministry. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for everybody tonight in this house. Thank you for the clarity of the mandate and the clarity of the mission and the clarity of your call. Your call. The call that we have answered to, to be saved by you and to be called by you righteous. You call us righteous. You, the most holy, calls us holy. Yeah. You call us accepted in the beloved. You call us your prized possession. Royal priesthood. 
holy nation, peculiar people. That's what you call us. So, we answer to the name that you call us. And not just that name, you call us witnesses of your resurrection. You've called us to preach this same message that saved us so that others can be saved. What an honor. And tonight, Father, we do not take lightly this honor. The honor of God to co-labor with you in the harvest of souls. Thank you, Father. That's your purpose. That's your calling. That's your will. And that's your plan for our lives, corporately and individually. So tonight, Lord, we thank you that not only did you call us, you've equipped us. You've given us all the resources, all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've given us everything we require to function in this reality. As your priests, as your kings, and as your prophets. So I declare that no one here is cheated of this opportunity. Kept by the power of God. I decree that you will fulfill the call of God. You walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And I declare tonight you are fruitful unto every good work. In the name of Jesus. Kept, preserved, sustained, empowered. And I declare you manifest the glory of God wherever you are found. Through you, souls are saved. Through you, disciples are raised. Through you, local assemblies are built all over the world. And through you, generations of men come to the knowledge of the truth. In the name of Jesus. So we rejoice tonight. We rejoice tonight. And Lord, as we spend the whole of this night meditating and praying, clarity comes on every aspect. Yeah, clarity comes to every concern. In the name of Jesus. We're willing, we're obedient in this day of your power. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the later, for the later kill it, but of the spirit that giveth life. We have this treasure in eating vessels, that the excellency may be of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I decree that everybody standing under the sound of my voice, you preach the word in and out of season. And these signs will follow you. In the name of Jesus, you cast out devils. You heal the sick. You cleanse the lepers. You preach the word in the name of Jesus. And as you go forth in obedience to the mandate of God, the Lord walking with you, confirming his word with signs and wonders. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your hands and give him praise and worship and thank him. Just go ahead and thank him. Go ahead and worship him. Go ahead and praise him. Neko sakele nemasa. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Praise you, Father. Somebody blessed tonight. Shout glory. Amen. One vision, one spirit, one baptism, one calling, one mission. All of us are called to this corporate responsibility. Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I want to let you go because we have tomorrow. And tomorrow is going to be the last service. And tomorrow I'm going to teach and then, you know, we'll just minister to you by the Holy Ghost. We have moments of impartation in tomorrow's service. It's going to be very powerful. You want to invite friends. You want to invite family. You want to invite loved ones to be part of the service tomorrow. Because they will be blessed. They will surely be blessed. Amen. Any questions before we go? Questions. Any questions before we go? Pastor Sarah is here from Toronto. Amen. Praise God. Pastor Sarah, bless you. So good to see you. I hear you traveled for many hours to get here and you're traveling again for many hours to go. We love you and thank you for coming. It's part of ministry. Yours is in the plane. Mine was on the road. <laughs> Glory to God. Yes. I need to know something. Yes. I heard something this morning and I wasn't sure what I heard, but I think I heard it. Okay. So you said... That God said, and I don't have the verse. The scripture. But you said that God said, as far as the eye can see, it's all yours, yep. right? Yep. But then you said, look. They had to look. Yep. They got what they looked yep. at. Sure. They didn't get, I mean, they only get as far as they looked. Yep. So that's kind of like us. We need to have the eyes of faith to look beyond the natural and to the supernatural. We need to see that nothing is impossible, that we need to go forth and just start to step in it. And he'll meet you. He'll meet you. Doesn't matter if you've never been there before. He'll meet you. And he'll always put the provision is after we move. Preach this thing. That's the that's 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 the word. Glory. You heard right. That's exactly what you heard. Praise God. Amen. That was a word from the spirit, actually. Amen. Amen. As far as you can see. So make sure you see well. And then don't let anything limit your sight. See the whole of Los Angeles. See everybody in LA coming to the knowledge of the truth. See no barriers in this land. See no limits in this land. Don't see any hindrances. Just go for it and take it. You know, Kalobosheki. The spies went and spied the land. Not only did they spy the land, they came with fruits. From the land. But they said. We are not able to go. You are just coming from there. What are you talking about? If you are not able to go. Where did you get this fruit from? <laughs> You've already gone and come. What does it take to go again and come? Nobody stopped you. But their mind stopped them. Say, we were like grasshoppers in our sight. So were we in their sight. The way you see you is the way we will see you. That's why it begins with identity. But Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. We don't even need a strategy. Let's just go at once. Let's, let's, just, <laughs> let's just walk through. Whatever city you came from to this conference, go back and just walk through the city. 
men will just be getting saved as you preach and as you declare the gospel men will just be getting saved men will be turning to the truth of the gospel say i'm a possessor of the heavens and the earth that's who you are you conquer territories with the gospel of christ hallelujah 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 glory to god oh i tell you i feel like rejoicing in this place glory to god hallelujah any other questions in this place hallelujah whoa everything is clear right no questions tonight good 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 i'm happy if there's no questions <laughs> and if there is i'd love to answer any other all right let's stand on our feet and just rejoice tonight let's rejoice tonight do you know how to rejoicing in this city at all i say let's rejoice tonight in this place glory glory Look at the nation, look at your city, look at your community and begin to rejoice. The walls are crumbling, the barriers are falling, the obstacles are falling, opposition is falling. You look at your city, you look at the place where you came from and begin to rejoice. Men are coming to the truth, women are coming to the truth. The whole of that city is responding to the gospel of the grace of God. Glory to God. Hey, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We also have in the same spirit of faith. We believe. Therefore, we speak. We speak. You look at that city and say they are coming. They are coming from the west. They are coming from the south. They are coming from the west. They are coming from the east. The gospel is prevailing. The gospel is growing. The gospel is prevailing. You wake up every day. You speak over that city. The gospel is prevailing. Men and women, they are coming to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus paid for them. They have no option. They are coming. They are coming. Barriers are breaking. Walls are crumbling down. Resistance is breaking. The gospel is trying so mightily grew the word and prevailed. The word is growing. The word is prevailing. Praise you Lord Jesus. Praise you Lord Jesus. Praise you Lord Jesus. Praise you Lord Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb of God. Ay, 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 ay. Hey. Hey. He said to Joshua, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Shout. Glory. Whoa. I mean, just think of, think, think about it. They are going to confront a city that is more equipped than they are. And God says, shout. He didn't say get some gun. He didn't say get some 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 nuclear weapon. Shout. Just shout. For the Lord has given you. Not the Lord will give you. The Lord is not going to give you. He has given you the city. You are a possessor of heaven and earth. Glory to God. The mission is possible. The mission is possible. And the work of God on earth is done. 
Amen. The work on earth is done. Stop seeing difficulties. See possibilities. Look around and see them coming in their tens. See them coming in their hundreds. And see them coming in their thousands. And in their tens of thousands. All over the nations of the earth. Coming to the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We love you. It's been wonderful just being with you. And tomorrow is going to be the last session. Amen. I want to take up your offerings tonight. We give in faith. We give with joy. So that this mission is not stopped. This mission is not hindered. Our resources we make available for the preaching of the gospel. Our resources we do not keep. We make available. It's God's honor on us. So we honor God back in return with our substance. Father, we pray and we thank you tonight. That your people are willing in this day of your power. We rejoice that our resources, resources can be utilized in the advancement of this project. The plan of God to fill the earth with the fragrance of your grace. So tonight we give from hearts that are willing, from hearts filled with joy. Thank you Lord that our resources, our resources we will not keep from you. So we give in faith. And we thank you that our offerings are a worship and a sweet smell before you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right. The banking details are on the screen for your transfers. And Pastor Sean has this, what is it called? Just go swipe, 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 swipe. The swiper, right? Praise God. And if you have cash, you can drop it at the pulpit. But it's a blessing tonight. Praise God. Thank you for giving. Thank you for honoring Christ. And thank you for honoring our rest, our collective assignment of getting the gospel to the ends of the earth and filling the earth with the knowledge of God's glory as the water covers the sea. Praise God. Tomorrow, I'll continue preaching. 10 o'clock is a service, so grab some people on phone tonight. Uh, 12. Okay, tomorrow is 12.30, right? <laughs> Where did I get 10 from? Tomorrow is 12.30. 30 tomorrow afternoon. So get people, you know, your friends, your loved ones, your families, and everybody to be here tomorrow. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. I hand over the microphone from where it came.